Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. My name's Tyler, if we've never met, and I just wanna celebrate you, you did it. Went through the freezing rain. Last week, as people were leaving, it was so slick on the hill that people were sliding back. This week, we're gonna be prepared. We're gonna get some sand and salt out there and get ready. But it feels like a little bit like we, uh, we got to miss winter, but it's here. Get to enjoy this, so um, as we're leaving, we can make balls out of ice and throw them at each other. It'll be really good. Try to avoid the rocks. We're in the series around our values, and we've spent the last three weeks, and now this is the fourth week where we're looking at six of our values. The central principles and guiding philosophies around what we do and why we are doing what we do, what matters to us. And it's important that we understand that values need to be taught, they need to be modeled, and they need to be reinforced regularly. And so you're going to increasingly hear about our values over time, just regularly as we seek to reinforce what is important to us and why we do what we do. Our six values are this, passion, growth, urgency, focus, presence, and humility. And today I want to spend some time talking about the values of presence and humility. Before I do, let's pray. God, we're reminded that you are present. God, in moments that we feel like we're on the mountaintop and in moments like we feel like we're in the valley. God, I'm so grateful that you don't leave us, you don't forsake us, that all we have to do is turn to you and you're right there. God, help us to see the times that we've run from you. God, help us to see the times that you've run after us. God, I pray that in these moments that you would still our heart and that we'd hear from you. God, you know, we want you. I want you. I want you to be the one that speaks. I want your words to be the, the words that are heard. God, it's not about me or my, my ideas or my concepts, but God, it's about your words that bring truth and hope and healing to us. God, we need you. I need you. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a a pastor named John Ortberg who is a pastor and author who there's a story of him going to someone named Dallas Willard. And Dallas Willard was a, a theologian and a philosopher incredibly significant around the idea of spiritual formation in the church. And John Ortberg sat with Dallas and he was like, Dallas, what must I do to be spiritually healthy? And Dallas is one of those guys, he's he's dead, but he is one of those guys that that would, was really comfortable with long, awkward pauses. You ever, ever been around people like that? And you ask them something, and then it just sits? And then you go, should I say something? Are they thinking? And especially if you're an extrovert, you're like, I'll just, I'll just fill the space. Just. And so John st- stood there for a while, and Dallas spent a long period of time thinking. He was carefully considering what he's about to say. And to the question of what must I do to be spiritually healthy, he said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. 
You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And John Orberg was like, absolutely, anything else? And he's like, nope, that's it. And I think about how profound this truth is. And actually, if we look at the Bible, we'll see how significant this is, certainly in the life of Jesus. We must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our life. This idea inspired John Mark Homer, one of my favorite authors and and pastors, to write a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I don't think I need to tell you, I think you can recognize that for most of us, we're we're running at a pace, we're living at a pace that is not healthy or sustainable for us. We're just trying to do, 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 go, 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 more, 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 fill, 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 and wondering why we feel so drained and exhausted and honestly going, is this life to the full? Is this what my life is meant to be? We live moment to moment, rushing through every single moment, missing God at work, and through that missing, God, missing people in the process. And so we succeed by whatever criteria we think and yet lose at what actually matters. And the truth is that when we run at this pace, we have no room for divine interruption. And divine interruption is the best when God breaks into our moments of every single day to do something that we could not do on our own. And so we're going to talk about presence and humility, but I want to just, I just want to rem- or let you know that next month we're going to be starting four weeks. We're going to dedicate the entire month of February to actually looking at the spiritual practice of Sabbath, where we stop, where we rest, where we delight, and where we worship. And Sabbath is, is a, a way for us, an antidote for us to this constant worrying and hurrying life and instead causes us to be able to be partnering with Jesus in his unhurried rhythms of, of grace. And so we're going to take steps towards that. If you're, if you're not in a co-group, and I'll, I'll let you know at the end too, I want to encourage you to join it because This practice of Sabbath is not just going to be valuable as we talk about it. It has to be lived out. And so in our co-groups, we're going to actually have a companion guide that's going to have things that we're doing through the week to actually embrace this practice and to take steps to identify in our life where we are running at a pace that is not sustainable and doing things that disrupt this pattern. And so I want to invite you to, to come with us on that journey. Today, I want to I look at presence and humility, and I think especially presence is so significant in, in terms of thinking about this, this hurried way of living. This is how we say our value of presence. We rely on the Holy Spirit for everything we do. We want in all ways to be present with God. We also want to be present with others. In a culture of distraction and busyness, Being present with others is a holy endeavor. We listen to God while we listen to others. When people are with us, they are our focus. This is so important for us that we understand that we want to be present with people. We want to be present with God. 
And if we are going to be present with people, we don't want to just be present with people as human beings or just go, I'm just, I'm with you. We want to be present with people because we're being present with God. We're relying on God. We recognize that outside of the the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, we have very little to offer any kind of social interactions. But with God at work, something significant can happen. We rely on the Holy Spirit for everything that we do. Now, just if you're wondering about collective, I just want to let you know this is who we are. We rely on the Holy Spirit for everything that we do, all of it. Now, some of you in the room, you go, I don't even know who the Holy Spirit is, and so let me, I'm gonna unpack a few scriptures, but let me just let you know, he's the third member of the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus actually tells, tells his disciples and tells us, I'm gonna send the helper, and he's going to be with you. And so when Jesus left, the Holy Spirit represented God with us present with us in every single moment of every single day. There's a Hebrew word that's used for the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. So if you're not familiar, the Bible is split up into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament written in Hebrew to the Jewish people, and then the New Testament, the new covenant, life of Jesus, and beyond. If you look at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, the words that are, the one of the words that's used that's Hebrew is ruach. Okay, let's, let's just... Try ruach with me. Ready? One, two, three. Ruach. You got to add a ch. Ruach. You know what that means? Breath. How beautiful is that? And so if you're wondering, like, man, I've seen some stuff with the Holy Spirit that seems super weird, or I'm not sure what I think, I want you to think about breath, that the Holy Spirit breathes on us, gives us breath. This is how essential the Holy Spirit has to be to our lives. I don't know if you know this, but you cannot survive without breath. It doesn't work out so well. And I think about for so many of us that are living our lives, and it's kind of like if you're working out and you're doing something heavy and you're holding your breath and you're like, I'm going to do this. And you wonder why you're lightheaded and not functioning that well, because you need to breathe in the Holy Spirit. You need to exhale all the stuff that you're trying to put your hope in and say, Holy Spirit, fill me again. I want to be used by you. I want you to be the one that guides my life. I want you to be the one that animates everything that I am doing. It's the reminder that the Holy Spirit is not just an add-on for our life, but instead an essential part of who we are as we seek to follow Jesus. And it's why we say in our value, we rely on the Holy Spirit for everything that we do. We want in all ways to be present with God. We want to be present with God. God promises his presence. We want to be present with him. And, and one of the things that is so important for us is that we understand how significant it is that we are present with God because we know us. I know me. And I know that I do not have the power by myself to see lives change. But I know if I partner with him, if I'm present with God and working as he's working, that God through me can change lives. And and it's not because I'm strong, it's because I'm weak and he is strong. And so we have to be present with God in all moments because we recognize I know who I am. And I know what I bring, and I know it's not enough, but I know that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I might ask for or imagine. I need your breath. 
I need you, Holy Spirit, to empower me. We need, if you follow Jesus, you need the Holy Spirit to empower you and equip you and teach you and use you to change people's lives. And this is why we also value humility. And we say this, humility, we will live like only Jesus is perfect. We will risk people seeing the real us for the sake of real relationship. We don't need to compare or pretend. We know who we are in Jesus. And so you might be so aware of your weakness, so aware of your inadequacy. Good. Because we don't come and go, I'm going to just make sure I have no weaknesses anymore and then God, you'll use me. Instead, you go, I know who I am. I know who I belong to. And I know that in my weakness that he is strong. I don't need to pretend. There's already been a savior of the world. I'm not him. And so I don't need to pretend like I can somehow save everyone. Instead, I want to understand who I am in Jesus and live out of that identity. And watch how God moves in the midst of that. Watch how the Holy Spirit works in my weakness. If you're very aware of your weaknesses... Let me just remind you of something that Paul says in Romans 8, 26 to 27. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, if nothing else, that is, that is great news for me. It should be great news for you. The Holy Spirit helps me in my weakness. I'm very aware of my weakness, so I have this humility of understanding who Jesus is, and yet I'm not left on my own. It's not like we recognize, you know what, I really, I've got a lot of stuff I need to work through, and God goes, hopefully you sort that all out. Instead, he says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who's going to help you. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings and, that cannot be expressed in words. And so if you ever have moments that you're praying, and you're like, I know I'm supposed to pray, but I'm not really sure what to pray for, and I... What if I do it wrong? Like you hear certain people pray and are like, they clearly know how to do it right. What I'm doing feels awkward and clunky. And let me just give you a behind the scenes. All of us feel that. All of us feel this like clunkiness and you have moments where it flows and other moments where like that isn't really what I was thinking or my brain started going. And I went, where am I going with this? And yet the reminder is that the Holy Spirit will help us in our Weakness. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And so there are times that the Holy Spirit prays with groaning. That's why there are moments, and there's something called praying in tongues where you pray in a heavenly language, but there can just be times that honestly your prayers are groanings. Where you're like, huh. Help, and that's all you've got. And the Holy Spirit doesn't look at us and go, um, you didn't say enough, uh, God, the Father, you didn't use enough scripture. He goes, I hear you, I know. And he prays on our behalf to God with groanings. And, and what we actually see here is that the Spirit pleads for us believers. This is not just, a, this isn't a promise for anyone. This is a promise for those of us who have followed Jesus he pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. This is why the more that we pray, the more that our will looks like God's will. If we actually pray, if we are praying and pleading and desperate 
what we find ourselves is our, our will is conformed to God's will. And suddenly the things that we used to pray about, that we used to think were really, really important, suddenly aren't that important anymore. And the things that we go, I want this, I want that, and, and over time as we pray and he's, and he's shaping our will and conforming our will, suddenly we find ourselves doing things like praying for our enemies and praying for opportunities to be generous and praying for God to use us even at times where it is inconvenient. We find ourselves conformed in, and living in harmony with God's will. And so this value for us of presence paired with humility is so significant. We want in all ways to be present with God. We also want to be present with others. In a culture of distraction and busyness, being present with others is a holy endeavor. Do you know that in the UK, and they, as far as I know, they're the first ones in the Western world, they have a minister of loneliness. They have someone that is dedicated to looking at loneliness in the culture because loneliness is such an immense epidemic. I was looking at one stat before we moved out here that, that it's like 30% of people in London and region live by themselves. Yo, that is a huge percentage of people. We are experiencing a, an epidemic of loneliness like when a government goes, we need a minister of loneliness, it's probably a good sign that it's a, a big deal because the government, I don't know if you've noticed, doesn't move super quickly. I, I was at a, a meeting this week with um, a bunch of other pastors and some faith leaders with the, an MPP of an area and then the minister of mental health and addiction. And they were talking about what did we learn from the pandemic and and, and it was an interesting dialogue, but hearing the undertones of how so much of it was so harmful for people's loneliness. It was so harmful for people's connection because there was so much isolation and loneliness. And listen, regardless of how you feel about how anything was handled, I want us to recognize that there are so many people around us that are desperate for meaningful connection. And we are connected, apparently. We all have tons of people on social media that we're connected with, but it's not meaningful. We are more technologically advanced than ever before and more technologically interconnected, and yet we have less meaningful relationships than ever in history. And increasingly, the younger generation doesn't even know how to have face-to-face -face conversations. And rather than looking going like, well, the young generation, we should look at that and that should bother us because there's desperate people that are going, I just want someone to be around and with me, present with me, talking with me. And as Jesus followers, we have the opportunity to be countercultural. We can actually represent hope and presence to people in a way that does not make sense and that they don't see out in the world. We can do that if we're willing to, if we're willing to put away our phones and be present with people, if we're willing to actually notice people around us. I think about times, you ever go to a restaurant, and, and if this is you, I'm calling you out lovingly, but if you go to a restaurant and you see couples and they're on a date and they're both on their phones and they're like on their phones eating, or, or the one time we saw a family and it's like both the kids had devices, the parents were on their devices and they're like out for supper together. You know, that's not being present with each other. 
You know, like for us to just sit on our phones and, and be with someone, we're there physically, but we're not really there. And I, I just want to let you know, um, Lee and I, we don't have a perfect marriage, but 11 years in, we've learned some things. It does not build intimacy in a relationship when you're with each other on your phones. Just some free advice. But we see that all the time. What do you notice? I don't have my phone. You, you don't, like you walk around Western, what do you see? Drive around Western? Everyone's walking like this. And I'm like, I don't know how they don't walk into each other all the time. But here's the invitation for us as Jesus followers. Everyone's doing this. We get to do this. We get to look at people, see people, value people, communicate that they're important to us, enough to put away. Listen, you might be really important on social media. Can I just let you know the person in front of you is significantly more valuable like for us, we can get trapped in this thing and pretend that that's real life. And listen, if you love social media, go for it. And if you're using it, do it. But I just wanna encourage you, there, there is power right now, especially in us being present with people, that there's a unique moment that God's inviting us into. And I don't wanna miss that. I, I don't wanna be so focused on trying to capture a moment so I can post about it that I miss being present in the moment. Now, is social media evil? No, but it does not substitute the actual meaningful connection with each other and the opportunity we have to look at someone and go, I see you and I value you. You're important to me. Because all the other things, like if, even if you think about it, all the other things that you go, okay, am I valuable if I get enough likes, enough followers? Am I valuable if this person says this about me, and, and we find this, and it's not just social media. For all of history, we've looked at all sorts of things to tell us that we are good enough. If I make enough money, if I do enough, if my family performs and looks perfect enough, then I'm good. We have the opportunity to represent a creator who is trying to say to the created people, to human beings, I see you and I love you, and in Jesus you are enough. We get to do that. We get to represent and, and close that gap. And we have to be countercultural here. We can't just live like everyone else and not pay attention to the moments along the way because God is trying to get our attention in every single moment of every single day to notice what's going on around us and to notice the people that he's placed around us. If we are so focused on all sorts of things that we are not present, we miss out. One of the most significant things for us, those of us that would call ourselves Jesus followers, are what I would call a divine appointment. Those moments where you are setting about, I'm gonna go do something, I have plans to be here, whatever, and God interrupts your plans, and God moves in a way that you go, I could have missed that. If I wasn't willing to be inconvenienced by God, I could have missed that. And I'm telling you, I've been in those scenarios where it, you get to pray for someone or you experience someone getting healed or you have a conversation with someone that you go, I never thought this would have happened. It very rarely fits nicely and neatly into when you want it to happen. It more often happens when it is inconvenient. And if we see it as an inconvenience, we miss out. But instead, if we see God breaking into our mundane lives sometimes to do something extra ordinary, then if we actually do that, we're more willing to go, God, do whatever you want to do. Interrupt me. I want you to be the one that moves. What if God wants to speak hope, speak truth, speak love to someone, and he wants you to do it? And what if you are so busy just doing stuff that you miss it? 
I don't want that for us. I, and I, I'm not suggesting that you just start walking the streets talking to strangers. I'm suggesting that where you already are, that you actually fight to be present there. That you're actually fighting and asking, God, what are you causing me to see? What are you showing me? What's happening in other people's lives? I want us to be present in those moments. I have, Lee and I have friends down in Alabama, and they were telling the story that they have a group of interns that are usually post-high school that spend time at the church and, and learn, and they would do this thing with the interns where they'd go to random apartment buildings and knock on doors to tell people about Jesus. And there's this part of me about, like, in North American, like in Canada especially, where I'm like, we're not great with just strangers. Hello, do you want to talk about Jesus? Like, there's a degree that I'm like, man, that seems really intrusive. Like, when someone drops by to talk about if they're a Jehovah's Witness, I'm ready to have that conversation, but there are times that I'm like, could you just call ahead? Tell me you're coming? So they're like, like, it's, it's different. It used to be where you drop in on people. Now it's like, no, you don't do that. And so I'm hearing the story, and I'm like, yeah, great. You knock on random strangers. Have you met my friend Jesus? And then they're like, hey, can we tell you what happened? I was like, yeah, sure. And it challenged my thinking. Because one of the guys knocked on a door, ended up having a conversation with someone. I think they had baked goods, so they dropped baked goods. And they just, they had this long conversation, and the intern was able to tell this person about Jesus. And the conversation was, was good and fairly smooth, and he walked away, and he's like, okay. Because you can imagine, like, you go up and knock on the door. You're like, oh, how's this going to go? And later on, a few weeks later, they hear from this guy, and this guy's like, I just need to tell you something. I was sitting in my room. And I was thinking, I'm going to end it. I'm going to take my life. And he prayed, desperate prayer. God, if, if you don't want me to do it, please send someone. And no joke, right after that. Now I look at that and go, what if we miss opportunities because we're so wrapped up in our own stuff? Like, I, I don't want us to be obnoxious people that are trying to force people into anything. I just, I want us to go and be where God already is at work. I want us to be willing to leverage moments and not be so focused on the next thing that I have to do or the next thing I need to achieve that I miss out on people in the midst of things. Listen, not every single conversation has the exact same stakes, but what if our conversations had more stakes than you realize? What if that person that entire week had felt beaten down and broken down and because you're present with them and communicating that they're important to you and thus important to God, what if that was something that changed their life? What if that person, because I've experienced this, is already asking questions and wondering about Jesus and because of a conversation goes, tell me more about your Savior. What if you can what if you have an opportunity to do something significant simply because you are where you're supposed to be and paying attention to God and that person in front of you? I want this for us. I want this for us. I want us to live in step and see God at work. I want us to be the kind of people that are willing to trust Jesus moment to moment. Can I just tell you, living like that sounds really like beautiful, but when you're in the midst of it, it's a lot of help. <laughs> okay, I'll go where you say I should go. Please come. <laughs> and you go, that's good. Why? The Holy Spirit strengthens us in our weakness. 
And so we live in surrender and humility, knowing who we are and what he's inviting us to do. My favorite is those moments that you have divine interruptions and someone shares something heavy. I've had it where people, they share something and then immediately are like, I don't think I should have shared that. And you go, there's something, something so powerful about things that are in the darkness coming into the light. And so I've been in environments and I've been guilty where you, you have someone share something and you're like, that's really hard. I'm gonna pray for you later. And sometimes you do and often you forget. And you know my favorite thing, and I watch our team do this beautifully, is they're like, let's pray right now. Let's do it right now. Let's stop right now and let's pray right now. And so often laying hands on the person and then maybe afterwards going to the prayer team and praying right then because we are present in that moment And we're communicating, you are valuable to us. That we believe in prayer, but we believe that God wants to work. And when God, he actually moves and presents an opportunity for us, we don't take that lightly. That is significant for us. And I wanted to let you know that being present, I've I've heard it around like the, the new age mindfulness. Like we're just present in our bodies where we are. And you go, you go, yeah. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm not suggesting that inside of you there is something so special that if you can just get in touch with that, that you're good. I'm suggesting to you that if we are present with God, we can see people's lives changed. We can see dead people come back to life. We can see people that are condemned to a life without hope find hope in Jesus. We listen to God while we listen to others. Listening is a holy activity. We've all been in scenarios where we're having conversations with someone that they're just trying to get to the next thing that they want to say. And there's something significant about truly listening to someone and then actually entering into if it's pain or challenge with them. I want you to know that at all moments, I believe God is working and he's speaking. And the question becomes, am I listening? Am I actually listening to what he says? Galatians 5.26 is is really significant. In the NLT, the New Living Translation, it says this. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Now, I grew up at a church where we did the NIV translation, and so this one I think is really helpful for us. And same verse, Galatians 5.26, it says this. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Think about that. In step. It's not like, it's not, that's not meant to be some like, I wonder what it means. In step. It's like dance moves? No, in step, as we're walking, we have a couple of options. We can run ahead, and some of us, and I can be guilty of that, run ahead of the Holy Spirit, or some of us go, now nah, wait, and, and just stand there. And what's the invitation? To be in step with the Holy Spirit. Every single moment, the Holy Spirit is inviting us to walk in step with him. I want that for us. I want that for you. I want you to live the kind of life where you're not going ahead or behind, that you're walking with the Holy Spirit as he moves. We can actually be people that experience miracles in our midst if we actually just walk in step with the Spirit. We see in this, this walking in step, this unhurried way of life, and we see it most clearly in the life of Jesus. Jesus was unhurried. 
Like, read, go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and you just start to see the pace of life that Jesus actually lives in. And in our 2023, where we're like, I gotta go, 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 do, 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 and we find in Jesus none of that. Jesus was very present with people. Jesus was willing to be interrupted. In fact, most of the miracles you actually look back at the life of Jesus, most of the miracles happen uh, in between. Like, so Jesus is setting out to go somewhere, and then someone comes up, and he sees them healed, or, or he watch, he, he's, he's going somewhere else, and he interacts with someone who comes to faith. It's often divine interruptions, because Jesus is willing to be interrupted for the things that actually matter, because people matter to him, because they matter to God. Jesus was never in a rush. He was always in step with the Holy Spirit. And this is the invitation that he has for us. In John 14, 23 to 26, Jesus says, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. This is our invitation. As we walk in step with the Holy Spirit, recognizing that that's when God goes, let me inhabit your spaces. Let me inhabit your places, where you are. Let me be there. I wanna do what you ask me to do because when I do what you ask me to do, Jesus, then you will be present with me. And then he says in verse 24, anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not at my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. It's this important reminder that when we're doing what the Holy Spirit says and we're doing what Jesus says, we're doing what God says. It's not some separate thing where you go, well, Jesus said it, that's not God, and Holy Spirit said it, that's not God. It's Yes, God is inviting us to do what he says, and he says in verse 26, Jesus says, when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Now this is substantial because we understand that when we have the Holy Spirit, we're power, we, have, we have power and we have access and we have strength in our weakness, but one of the roles of the, of the Holy Spirit is to remind us what Jesus has already said. And that's why it's so important, and Jeff mentioned it, that we actually are spending time reading our Bible so we know what Jesus said. But you know what's really fascinating? Is I'll read stuff once, and then in moments, if I'm willing to actually be dependent and weak, I'll find myself recalling that. I'm like, I think I, like, it's like some verse in Hezekiah, and you're like, I, I didn't reflect on that for very long. You're like, yeah, it says this one, like this, this can actually be a lived out reality for us. And so it, it's this reminder for us, we see even here this idea of knowledge and action. We wanna know, we wanna know God. God is, is transcendent, we wanna know more about him. We wanna understand the character of him. We wanna understand Jesus' character. We wanna understand the words that we find in scripture. But we also wanna put them into practice. We do not want to be people that just know everything and do nothing. We want to know and we want to do. But as we do what God's asking us to do, we do it with humility, not pride. Pride is, I know what to do, and I've got this from here, and I'm good, 
and I'm gonna prove to God that I'm good enough. I'm gonna prove to other people, see, I know what I'm doing. Instead, we are invited to live with humility where we say, I'm just, I'm just, it's like that, the one song, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about someone. Telling to, trying to tell everyone about Jesus as you go, I, I know who I am. And it's all because of Jesus. And I want to walk in step with what he's already doing because I know who I am. That's why we say we'll live like only Jesus is perfect. We'll risk people seeing the real us for the sake of real relationship. We don't need to compare or pretend. We know who we are in Jesus. We have to become people who are willing to actually allow our lives to be guided by the Holy Spirit, even when we go, I don't know what I'm doing. Because people aren't looking at us going, wow, I'm so glad you're perfect. What we want them to do is look at us and go, I see Jesus at work in you. We're invited to live a different kind of life. Again, this is so significant for our world around us that has not and does not experience people being present and hope and healing in moments that are unique. John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Jeff mentioned that, the, the one passage and, and this reminder that the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. And this is not just a concept, all truth. This is personified in Jesus, in his, in his words. He, he guides us into all truth. And we find ourselves increasingly, as we engage with Scripture and allow it to read us and allow us, or, and then we live a life that we are obedient to what he's asking us to do, we find ourselves yet guided into all truth and living the kind of life that we were made for and have at times only dreamed of. We want to be people that are humble as we do that and people of presence. We rely on the Holy Spirit for everything we do. We want in all ways to be present with God. We also want to be present with others. In a culture of distraction and busyness, being present with others is a holy endeavor. We listen to God while we focus, or while we listen to others. When people are with us, they are our focus. As we are present, we are humble. We know who we are. And better, we know whose we are. We know who God is and what he can do through us. And so I want to challenge you to reflect. What do I notice in my own life? What keeps me from being present? Is it the constant buzzing? Like maybe you, for you, your phone is not a problem. Maybe it's something else. I, I don't ever want to treat it where it's like, okay, it's just this one category. I go, what, what forces you or, or, or causes you to, to not be present? Is it the worries of whatever's going on? Is it financial stresses? Is it your children? Is it your schooling? And you're constantly going, I gotta go, 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 go. And you find yourself unable to be present with others. And you're like, you know what? Once I, once I finish this semester, then I'll be good. And what happens is you finish the semester and then the next one comes. And you're like, well, once I hit the summer, then I'll be good. Once my kids are older, then I'll be good. Once I get the job, then I'll be good. And it never happens. What keeps you from being present? And I want to encourage you not to try to do everything at once, but start to do something. Start to scale back the things that cause you not to be present with people. 
Start to do what you need to do to restrict some of the things that cause you not to be present. And then watch what happens when you are. Watch how God opens up doors that you did not think he would. For us to actually think about why am I not present and to do something about it. And the next thing is, am I hearing from God regularly? Like, do I know what God's trying to say? Three of the primary ways that God speaks is, is through uh, community, through the Bible, through prayer. And there's lots of other ways. But, but I want to just especially draw your attention to the Bible and community. It's that there are times that you read Scripture and God speaks significant things to you that you're like, oh, I have never seen that before. If we don't regularly invest in actually engaging with Scripture, we miss out on those opportunities. We don't just read the Bible to check it off. Now, there are times that we read it that we go, I don't know, I guess that was good. But then there are these other moments where you go, oh, God is present right now with me? He's speaking this to me? That is significant. Community is essential with that. Because the people that, go, that, that constantly are saying, God told me, if they're divorced from community, oftentimes they say things that are kind of wonky. And so community is able to go, okay, let's, let's, take, let's see what God's saying. Because here's what I know to be true about God speaking. He speaks communally. He doesn't just speak to one person. So anytime you hear a leader, me included, going like, God told me and no one else, that's a problem. Massive problem. I do not have the red phone to God. I think I have times, and I'll go to the prayer team, I go, I'm sensing this, what do you think? And they're like, actually, I read this thing this week. And you go, yeah, okay, okay. That's not just good for me. You guys need that. It's why we need co-groups, because we need to be environments where we're going, what is God saying? Like, for example, say you have some massive decision you're trying to make in your life. The, the cultural narrative is, I don't know, do what you think is right. And you go, that might work. Oftentimes we make decisions, you're like, that did not work. The value of communities, you go, this is what I'm wrestling with. Will you actively pray and then tell me if there's anything you think of? And you know what's really interesting when we do that? We make better decisions. And so for us to actually go, God, what are you trying to say? And what is community around me saying? Do I have people around me that are listening to God for me and with me? And then the last thing is, am I, am I stopping to notice where God's actually at work? Like, in my own life, am I noticing where God is actively at work? Am I partnering with him in that? Because when we are running at a pace that is not sustainable, we miss everything. Everything's flying by, and when you slow down, you start to go, wow, look what God is doing in this family. Look what God is doing in this person. Look what God is saying through my child. Look what God is saying in my class. Look at these opportunities that God is giving me to partner with him, to work with him where he's already at work. James 4 verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so we come to all of this with complete humility and we go, listen, if we're prideful with any of it, God's going to oppose it. But he gives grace to the humble. He gives us the ability to walk it out and stumble sometimes and go, I don't know what I'm doing. He goes, keep coming. Like even this process of being present with people and, and, and listening to God and partnering with him sometimes feels a little bit like when kids are learning to walk. You're trying and you're like falling and you go, I'm just giving up. I'm done. And the invitation is to go, no, try again. Try again. Over time, you begin to learn how to discern God's voice, to walk with him, to go, 
But if we don't begin, we don't develop that, and I want that for us. And if you are in the room and you're like, you know what, that sounds really great, but I'm way too busy, um, can I just let you know, Jesus changed the world in three years, and he walked everywhere. He didn't have a vehicle. He didn't have a phone. He didn't have internet. He walked everywhere and changed the world. We have no excuse. We have no excuse to think, I'm doing stuff for you, Jesus. I'm going. And you're like, are you being present with me? No, but I'm, 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 I'm really busy. I don't think that's a good thing. And so I want to encourage you to reflect. What does it look like for me to be more present? And is my posture towards that of humility? We're going to respond in worship. And I want, to, I want to pray for us as the worship team comes up. God, I'm so grateful that you are speaking. I'm so grateful that you are guiding. I'm so thankful that you are inviting us to slow down and pay attention to you at work. God, I pray that even in these moments in this room, even as we're worshiping, that there would be people in the room that would hear your voice, maybe even for the first time. God, I pray that this week as we read scripture, that it wouldn't just be an exercise, an academic exercise, but instead that you would speak through your words. God, help us to see what you want to do. Help us to see your kids who are desperate for their heavenly father. And God, use us to be part of that process. God, and if we do all of it and get none of the glory, we don't care. We want you to get all of it. God, we just want to do our parts. Help us to be the kind of people that are willing to be present where you are at work with people. God, wherever you place us, wherever you've positioned us, use us, guide us, speak to us. God, we need you. And as we prepare for this month of February, we have room for Sabbath. God, give us the courage to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship. God, do what only you can do. We love you and we need you. In Jesus' name. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you Sunday.